Welcome back to Ew That's Creepy Podcast. In this episode, Melissa will be telling Jackie about the Excelsior Hotel in Jefferson, Texas. The Excelsior is located in one of the most haunted cities in Texas, and even Steven Spielberg has experienced paranormal activity here. Please be aware that this episode will discuss a violent crime. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Ew That's Creepy podcast. It's the twins, Melissa and Jackie, and we are here to tell you about another haunted bed and breakfast. I'm sorry if you heard that little whine. That is my cat, Misa. And she is our guest today on the podcast. (laughs) She's potting with us. She wants to get spooky. (laughs) She just put her tail in my face. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, our guest has left, so let's just get into it. I'm going to be telling Jackie about a haunted bed and breakfast. And the haunted bed and breakfast that I'm talking about today is, it's a pretty popular one. It's called the Excelsior House Hotel. I'm not sure if this is a hotel or a bed and breakfast or both because they definitely are a bed and breakfast. Either way, just roll with it. I've never heard of this. Where is it? So this is in Jefferson, Texas. And it's funny because Jefferson is like one of those towns, it's almost like Gettysburg, where they say almost the entire town is haunted. (laughs) Love that. It used to be a really Wild West kind of town. Um, So the hotel was actually built in 1858 by a riverboat captain, and it's the oldest operating hotel in Texas. It's very gorgeous and historic. There have been a lot of famous people who have stayed at the Excelsior, such as... So, of course, it's haunted. Oh, of course. Ulysses S. Grant has stayed there, Oscar Wilde, Rutherford B. Hayes, and even Steven Spielberg. Oh, that's cool. Well, actually, um, he's joining us for this episode because he's (laughs) one of the guests who experienced a haunting. Oh, my God. Yeah, just wait. So, in 1961... The Excelsior Hotel fell under ownership of the Jesse Allen Weiss Garden Club. And this was a nonprofit organization, and it was a group of women who ran this nonprofit where they would take it upon themselves to beautify the city. Oh, that's cute. I know, it's actually really sweet. They took over the Excelsior house because they just wanted to revamp it and make it look prettier. And many historians actually say that the ladies of the Jesse Allen Weiss Garden Club, they're kind of credited with turning Jefferson around because at the time, back then in the 50s and 60s, Jefferson was like rough and tumble, you know, still known as kind of Wild West. The economy was falling. And then this nonprofit just started redoing a lot of the old buildings, turning them into little bed and breakfast, little hotels, and it really got the economy in Jefferson back up and running. So it's really cute. Like this nonprofit organization of all women owned and operated kind of got Jefferson, Texas back, backing up. The girls are taking over the city. The girls are girling (laughs) in Jefferson, Texas. So they, you know, they redid the Excelsior Hotel and 
Currently, it has 15 bedrooms, a courtyard with a beautiful fountain, a ballroom, a bunch of amazing things. Currently, the hotel is managed by the Excelsior Foundation, a nonprofit created to protect and preserve the historic building, along with other buildings in Jefferson. When the ladies of the Garden Club um, took ownership, they started to focus also on holding weddings and events, as well as being a hotel, and that also really had business even more booming at the Excelsior House because the back with the fountain is perfect for a small little Texas wedding. Oh, that's cute. It is really gorgeous. I won't lie. Like, I could totally picture a small summer wedding here. But we're here for the ghosts. <laughs> so let's get <laughs> a into it. A haunted wedding. Mm-hmm. Let me just say, though, with the Excelsior Hotel... Basically, everyone knows is haunted. Everyone says that Jefferson, the entire town, is haunted. Like I said, there were a bunch of saloons and violence and typical Wild Wild West things. But apparently, if you go to the Excelsior and you specifically say, like, tell me about the ghosts, tell me about the hauntings, the workers there aren't going to be like, oh, this happened and this and this. They kind of play it off like it's not haunted because they say... I've heard that the women running the organization say that the hauntings are taking away from how beautiful the hotel is. I mean, they could be right. I know, it's cute. So, you know, it's not going to be like, don't expect to go there and it be like they're playing up the ghost. Like Lizzie Borden. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. You're not going to have ghost pictures plastered on the walls. (laughs) The bodies of, or pictures of corpses right next to your bed. None that I know of. Um, so yeah, but you can definitely take the very popular Jefferson Ghost Walk through town and take that tour. And part of the Ghost Walk is obviously going by the Excelsior Hotel. The most common paranormal reports at the hotel are are lingering smells of cigar smoke in a woman's perfume. And that's kind of one thing that even if people don't experience anything paranormal besides that, it's almost... There's so many reviews of people just saying a very strange smell at the hotel. Um, the smell of magnolia and women's perfume, very strong cigars when you know that no one's smoking them. Hmm. I wouldn't mind that, I guess. Yeah, the magnolia perfume doesn't sound so bad. But imagine waking up in the night and smelling heavy cigar smoke. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's true. There have also been reports of two ghosts frequently seen. One is a headless man being being seen walking through the halls and a woman dressed all in black, sometimes holding a child. Ew. Like the two scariest ghosts you could think of. <laughs> Husband and wife. And child. <laughs> so horrible. Whole family. <laughs> Many guests have also reported... Feeling someone or something in or on their bed at night and having the covers pulled away from them during the night. That's my worst fear. Like, my worst ghost encounter. I know. So let's get into specific stories. Because like I said, the most famous story about the Excelsior Hotel came from Mr. Steven Spielberg himself. Let's hear it, Mr. Spielberg. In the 1970s, Steven Spielberg was traveling around Texas searching for locations for his film Sugarland Express. 
During this time, he and his crew stayed at the Excelsior for a night and they weren't, you know, they weren't actually coming to this hotel to get the historic tour. They were just in town and just chose the hotel to crash for the night. But Steven Spielberg specifically was given the Jay Gold Room, which is the most haunted room in the hotel. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Let's make it really memorable for him. Yep. I wonder if they told him. I'm assuming not. Oh, no. They don't tell him that. <laughs> but he didn't even know it was haunted. Him and the crew didn't even know. They just thought they were crashing at this hotel for the night. Exhausted from his long day, Steven Spielberg threw his suitcase on the chair across from him. But to his surprise, the suitcase actually flew back and returned to the spot right next to him. <laughs> I would piss. <laughs> He tried to calm himself down and assure himself that it was a hoax or just something explainable with the hotel. <laughs> I don't know what. Oh, poor guy. You would think, though, like, are they pranking me? Like, what the hell? Yeah. And then later in the night, he was awoken from his sleep in the middle of the night by a child in 1800s clothing asking him if he was ready for breakfast. Steven Spielberg was so shaken by this that he actually got up and gathered his crew in the middle of the night and left Jefferson altogether. Holy crap. (laughs) After his experience at the Excelsior Hotel, Spielberg began to write a little work, maybe you've heard of it, Poltergeist, loosely inspired by the unexplainable events at the hotel. Holy crap. I did not know that. I didn't either. So yeah, he basically had these really unexplainable events happen right in front of him, which inspired him to dive into that sort of aspect and make a movie about it. Love that. Yeah. So the Jay Gold Room is obviously the most popular one. And Steven Spielberg is not the only person having experiences in the Gold Room at the Excelsior Hotel. A retired newsman named Dave Adams wrote to the Dallas Morning News detailing a paranormal experience he had in 1995. This story is nuts, and I found this on the Bump in the Night blog. Thank (laughs) you. So Dave and his wife, Carol, they visited the Excelsior Hotel for a quiet night of good eats and a few drinks. Just a cute little couple's night. Dave wrote that he entered the gold room, and when he did, a song unexplainably came into his head, The Gold and Silver Waltz. But this wasn't a song that he was, like, that familiar with, or he loved it or anything. He just said when he walked into the room that that song popped into his head, and he thought it was weird because it wasn't a song he was even that familiar with. But he brushed it aside. He kind of just thought, like, maybe it's the historic aesthetic. I'm just picking up on the... (laughs) I'm feeling a vibe. (laughs) I'm catching a history vibe. And he kind of just thought it could have been that. After dining at a local restaurant and sitting out on the hotel's veranda, the couple returned to their room and they drifted off to sleep watching TV. But later in the night, Dave woke up when he needed to use the restroom. So he turned off the TV that was still on walked into the bathroom, and shut the door behind him. After he did his business, he tried to open the door back up, but he felt that the handle was stuck as if someone was just holding it there. Dave assumed it was his wife, Carol, and made a joke to her, and then after, the door opened again. So he definitely just thought it was Carol, like, being funny. But when he walked back into the room, he noticed that Carol was still sound asleep in bed, 
However, there was the figure of a woman wearing all black in a black veil standing beside the bed where Carol slept. That's so creepy. And Dave also noticed the distinct smell of a woman's perfume in the room. That was definitely not his wife's perfume. Goo. (laughs) (laughs) That's the brand of perfume. (laughs) Goo. It's goo. (laughs) But just as quickly as Dave spotted the woman in black, she disappeared and he only saw Carol. So he kind of just thought like, am I tired? Is my mind playing pranks on me? Am I still really sleepy? What the shit? (laughs) Dave just decided to go back to bed because, you know, what else are you going to do? He's like, if I wake up Carol, she is going to freak and want to leave. And what am I going to tell her? I think I just saw a woman in the room, but now she's gone. I would just like go sit in the lobby and (laughs) like stay up for the rest of the night. You could go out on the veranda. True. Stare out at the streets, which are also known to be haunted. (laughs) Oh, great. You can't escape them. (laughs) No. Dave did go back to bed, but he kept being woken up throughout the night. He was woken up once to the smell of cigar smoke in the room and the sound of papers being shuffled around, almost as if someone in the room was reading the newspaper. But when he sat up, no one was there. Then he heard knocking on the headboard behind him, as well as what sounded like fingernails scratching the headboard above him. Ew! Yeah, like it was all cute and old aesthetic, and then it (laughs) went to be really like creepy as fuck in a second. He checked to make sure Carol was still asleep, which she was, and he tried to calm himself down, but eventually he did fall back asleep, and he dreamed of a woman in all black playing the piano, and it was specifically the song The Gold and Silver Waltz, the same song that had been stuck in his head when he first walked into the room. He woke up from that dream around 4 a.m., And when he did, he heard the same knocking sounds on the headboard. Dave even heard movement in the bathroom as if someone was in there, followed by the toilet flushing. But he could still feel Carol laying in bed next to him. Oh my god. No, I would leave at this point. It's too much. (laughs) The activity was so frequent throughout that night that Dave thought that he was imagining it or dreaming or honestly losing his mind a little bit. The next morning when he woke up, he told Carol about everything that had happened, and Carol also said that she woke up in the night and heard the knocking sounds on the headboard. But I think when she woke up, Dave was asleep. So it was weird. They're both waking up when the other is asleep, hearing the sounds and not wanting to wake the other one up, but they both experienced something. I'd be like, let's get the hell out of here. I know. I, of course, went on to TripAdvisor and typed in the word ghost creepy (laughs) into the search bar yes love it (laughs) and i did get some hits one user named amy wrote that she stayed in the gold room number 215 if you're wondering and she frequently smelled magnolia perfume and cigar smoke there's an old rocking chair in that room as well and she said that at points throughout the night it would rock on its own And they would also hear footsteps walking around the room. That's another one of my worst nightmares. If you would say, like, what's a paranormal experience you're terrified of? Mine is a rocking chair rocking and no one's there. Especially, too, what freaks me out is, like, 
I think for me, what freaks me out is if you would wake up and you would hear the sound before you would see it. Ugh. Something about when you, when, if there's paranormal poltergeist, when you hear something before you see it and you know what it is, that just freaks me out. Yeah, it's the realization of just like, you know what you're basically not gonna see and it's like, ugh. Oh my god, I just got the actual chills down here. Yeah, that's the worst feeling. Like, anyone who has a paranormal encounter knows it's such a creepy feeling. And I have this ghost face mask from Scream, and it's just perfectly positioned, so it's just (laughs) staring at me the whole time with its dead ghost eyes. He's listening. Anyway. Oh, so Amy on TripAdvisor, she also said that through, at one point in the night, she felt someone lift up the covers and climb into bed. Which, she was asleep and she woke up in a panic because she was certain someone had just climbed into bed. But no one was there. (laughs) Someone's going to get, like, PTSD from going here. I know. Someone's going to file an assault charge after this. (laughs) It would be me if I went there. (laughs) She also said that early in the morning she heard what sounded like a wheel squeaking from an old cart and felt a small presence walking around the bed, but it was so small it was like a cat or a dog. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not like a person. Oh. She finished the review with, that was about it. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> love that for her. And I love what she said, that was about it. As if that, all of no that. No big deal. <laughs> loved like, it. All of that was a lot, Amy. <laughs> Another visitor reported that, it's funny because all the visitors will be like, didn't have anything happen. Except I did hear this. <laughs> Except this terrifying experience. Yeah, this one person said that they didn't have much happen. They loved the Excelsior and everything, but they did wake up in the middle of the night and hear a candy wrapper opening next to their bed, but they couldn't find the candy wrapper or find candy. They just heard the sound of what clearly someone opening it. Definitely a child. Another visitor named Angela said that she went on a girl's ghost hunting trip. Angela, call me. Invite (laughs) us. Yeah, call us. And although she didn't experience anything personally, a few friends felt someone sit on their bed and then get up throughout the night. One friend even felt like someone tried to roll her over or push her off the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that, like, ghost move the hell over. (laughs) Yep. Someone was hogging the covers. (laughs) Now, those were the ghost experiences, and we also, that is not it, ladies and gents, we also have an unsolved murder in town that has also caused a ghost. Yes. I know, it's horrible. (laughs) It's so horrible, but when I saw this, I was like, oh, an unsolved murder? Haunted history. Yeah, baby. So this this is so famous. This was just like... This story had a Wikipedia page and everything. So this isn't just like a little ghost story from town. This was an actual an actual murder that happened and was one of the first documented cases in Jefferson and in Texas. One of the first controversial murder cases. Ooh, let's hear it. This is the case of Diamond Bessie Moore. No one is 100% certain on her name because this was a case from the mid-1800s. So there's conflicting information regarding what her exact name is. Diamond was definitely a nickname, but Bessie Moore was something she was referred to. There's also evidence of her being Annie Stone or Annie Moore. But everyone in Jefferson called her Diamond Bessie, and we'll say why. So I'm going to call her that because it's fun. 
Bessie was born in 1854, and she was known to be exceptionally beautiful. She had jet black hair and piercing gray eyes. Wow. I know. Could you imagine? Like a cat. <laughs> I wanted to find a picture, but it was so old that yeah. the pictures like were not looking all that beautiful. So I was like, is this her? Is this just what someone believes she looked like? I don't know. But after a love affair with a gentleman when she was 15, Bessie decided to get involved in sex work, working at a few different brothels from Cincinnati to New Orleans, even some cities in Arkansas. Because of her exceptional beauty, Bessie was adored by her clients. They often showered her with expensive gifts, and Bessie became known for her diamond jewelry that she got from her male callers. Get it, girl. Yeah. Hot girl summer in 1854. When Bessie was working at a brothel in Hot Springs, Arkansas, she met a man named Abraham Rothschild, Abe for short. Abe came from a prominent Cincinnati family who owned a jewelry business, but Abe was like the problem child. They said he had an addiction to women, alcohol, and partying. (laughs) And they said like he had an addiction to loose women. Get it, playboy. Yeah, he's playing. (laughs) And of course, he meets Bessie at a brothel. So it's just like, on one hand, they could have really easily made it work. But I think on the other hand, we see this toxic couple, two people who love partying, love this lifestyle, and never ends up well. It never ends up a happy, prominent marriage. (laughs) So the couple got it's together. It's giving Nate Jacobs from Euphoria. It's giving Nate and Cassie in the last season. No one wants to see them together, but they're going to be but together. But yet it happens. Nobody wants to see us together. Iconic. Yeah. That's the same yeah, for Abe and Bessie. The couple got together immediately. It was tumultuous from the start to the end. It was said that Bessie would pressure Abe to marry her, while Abe was known to be physically abusive And he often would force Bessie into sex work to make more money for him and her to keep partying. But it's like, first of all, you're the one who's from a rich family. Yeah, true. Maybe um, go ask your rich family for more money. Yeah. In 1877, the couple got married in Illinois and shortly after they traveled to Jefferson, Texas, Like I said, they were drinking and partying all the time, fighting all the time. It's not known why they were traveling to Jefferson in the first place, but the small town noticed their fancy clothes and they noticed Bessie's diamond jewelry immediately. So they just assumed that they were this like high wealth couple. They didn't really know what they did or why they were in Jefferson, When checking into a hotel, many say it was the Excelsior Hotel, to be exact, someone in town heard Abe address her as Bessie, so they began calling her Diamond Bessie, since she always had her (laughs) diamonds on. That's cute. On January 21st, I wrote 1977. This is certainly 1877. (laughs) Just a few days after the couple arrived in Jefferson, they planned to have a picnic lunch in town. Abe picked up the lunch at a local restaurant, and the pair were seen walking from town to their intended location. But a few hours later, Abe was seen walking back into town, but Bessie was nowhere in sight. 
Abe returned back to the hotel and he told the workers that his wife had went across the bayou to visit some friends. But the next day, he was still eating breakfast alone and he was wearing Bessie's diamond rings. Ew. I know. How scandalous. I'm like, how did they fit? I was just going to say that. Maybe he did the old necklace trick. (laughs) Put him on a necklace. (laughs) Imagine this Um. 1800s man with a necklace of diamond rings. (laughs) The next day, Abe boarded a train to return to his hometown of Cincinnati with both he and Bessie's luggage, but Bessie was still not with him. I'm like, why is no one saying, <laughs> yeah. where is she? You're just okay. taking her luggage? I think it's just back then, it was like rude to ask those questions. Yeah, like be up all in someone's biz. Yeah. Especially because he's portraying himself to be this wealthy socialite man, kind of. On February 5th, 1877, a woman collecting firewood found the body of a deceased young woman next to a scattered picnic lunch. And something about that just makes me so sad. Like, that actually really made me sad that, like, Mm -hmm. the picnic was still around her. He killed her. The woman was fully clothed in nice attire, but all of her jewelry and her diamonds were missing. The woman was obviously Bessie Moore, and she had a single gunshot wound to her head. And the people in the town are actually who paid for her burial. So it's, like, so sad. She didn't have family or anyone who claimed her because she's in this town. And to begin with, she wasn't really close with her family. She left at age 15. So there wasn't anyone who actually cared about what was going to happen with her after she passed. So the people of the town all volunteered money and paid for her burial. Aww. I'm like, they didn't even know her. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. So back to bitch ass Abe. As if it wasn't obvious enough that he did it, people in Cincinnati noticed that he was paranoid as hell and drinking even more heavily than before. Which, he's an alcoholic, so it must be bad if people noticed he was drinking even more. In late February, Abe actually tried to commit suicide via gunshot, but it only took out his right eye, and it didn't actually enter his brain. Wow. Following his hospital treatment, Abe Rothschild was arrested for the murder of his wife, Bessie. This is when the case became really sensationalized because the town of Jefferson learned who Abe really was and they were shocked that he was from this wealthy family. Like, they thought, you know, maybe... I don't know if they thought maybe that he and his wife built their wealth together or what, but when they learned that his family had their own jewelry business, it turned into almost a movie where it's, you know, a wealthy socialite husband murders his beautiful wife so he can go on living a bachelor lifestyle. It almost is like how you said Nate from Euphoria. People almost wanted him to be that that guy because they wanted to hate him for killing this wife for no reason just so he could go and be a bachelor again. Some articles even said that this was like the O.J. Simpson trial of the 1800s. People Mm -hmm. were talking about it and... It was popular. On the other hand, Abe's family, because back in the 1800s too, crimes were, you know, like I said, very Wild West, very shootouts and things like that. It wasn't common for someone from a wealthy family to get their hands dirty and just murder someone. So Abe's family did not want their reputation being tarnished. Even though they didn't even like Abe, they were like, we are not letting the Rothschild family name 
be shit on because of you. <laughs> we already don't like you. So they shelled out some coin and they hired one of the best defense attorneys in the country. Abe was on trial for three weeks before a jury found him guilty. However, the verdict was overturned on Abe's appeal. And his next trial actually had a different outcome. He was found not guilty, which shocked the town of Jefferson. I believe his defense really played into the fact that Bessie was involved with sex work. And convinced the jury that one of her clients could have possibly done it because she had so many. Which, I mean, she's found surrounded with the lunch that Abe just bought. Yeah. Like, that's so annoying. This is one of those that I think they just didn't find him guilty because of his wealth and because, like, his family yep. paid this lawyer off. They probably paid off people probably. in the jury. Following Abe's return to Cincinnati after the whole trial... He fell back into a life of crime and stealing. Like, you couldn't even have tried to maybe turn your life around? No. Well, he clearly feels guilty. Okay, I'm glad that you said that, because listen to this. There are rumors that an unknown male wearing an eye patch visited Bessie's grave, and there are even reports that he, this unknown male wearing an eye patch, went to the cemetery caretaker and thanked him specifically for the upkeep of Bessie Moore's grave and paid him a good amount of money. So many believe that this was Abe later on in life because of the eye patch. He shot out his eye. Yeah, people believe. Yeah, people believe he was feeling guilty and he came back to town. The town of Jefferson really holds this case close to their hearts because they believe Abe got away with murder and they actually hold a play each year depicting the murder in the trial. Wow. So yeah, go look. There are pictures of people, you know, of a Bessie Moore dressed up in 1800s clothing and these (laughs) people giving this trial. It was reminding me of the Crucible, how people always dress Mm -hmm. up and do the Crucible. And because of this whole trial, many people believe that they see Diamond Bessie Moore's ghost throughout Jefferson. Um, You know, some people say that they see her kind of in the streets, which is sad, like almost returning from her picnic. A lot of people believe that you can see her at the Excelsior Hotel because they believe that this was the last place she was staying before she was murdered. So maybe her spirit came back to the hotel and resides there. The Excelsior Hotel actually has a um, a Diamond Bessie Moore suite. Aww. The Diamond Bessie suite. That's cute. People also say that her presence can be felt in the Jay Gold Room. Female guests of the hotel have reported feeling slapped across the face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. While male guests have reported feeling someone climb into bed with them before becoming intimate. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Diamond and Bessie is still working in the afterlife. <laughs> okay. She wants her diamonds. <laughs> the most common report is that small items will be moved or go missing. I don't know why they, like, specifically attribute this to Bessie, or maybe they just like maybe it's just one of those things you know how when things go missing, people will just be like, Oh, that's Bessie. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, people commonly say at the Excelsior that items will be moved or completely gone. Toothbrushes, toothpaste, hair combs, etc., are frequently moved when guests will leave and then come back. And it's not staff, like people for a fact say. There won't even be staff. I'll be in the next room and I'll go back and something I just had will be across the room. There is even a photo taken at the hotel that 
I think it's in a hallway or inside a room, but it shows a white shadowy figure. And to me, it almost looks like a woman's 1800s dress. Hmm. I'll have to look that up. <laughs> Maybe Bessie was the one who threw Steven Spielberg's suitcase back at him. <laughs> Maybe. Give me all your coins. <laughs> Put me in your movie. I also found a TripAdvisor review of someone who experienced activity in the Diamond Bessie suite. The user had a screen name, so I'm not sure if they were male or female, but they said, I'll just give they pronouns. They said that while they were laying on their side watching TV in the Diamond Bessie suite, they felt a hand gently caress their back, and they sat up startled thinking someone was behind them, but no one was there. They laid back down, and when they did, they felt someone snuggle up next to them, behind them. They didn't actually seem scared. Like, they didn't say it freaked me out so bad. They just said that they were actually shocked because they didn't expect to experience activity there. And he, like, this person definitely thought that the caressing on their back was just something they made up. But then when they felt someone curl up, they were like, no, I'm sold. That was... No room is safe. No. Bessie is everywhere. She's omnipotent. (laughs) And that, my friends, is the Excelsior Hotel Bed and Breakfast in Jefferson, Texas. Honestly, this is one, like, you know when you talk about hotels that are haunted and it freaks you out and, like, I don't know if I would ever actually go to, um, the... Lizzie Borden. Yeah. But this one is so stunning. Like, all of the reviews just say this takes you back to the 1800s. Like, the decor and stuff. Some of the decor... The, some of the decor in there is original decor from the hotel that they wow. keep in good condition. So, honestly, this one is, like... I would highly recommend going. If you have been, please let me know. It's also, too, like, the top part of the hotel is just kind of, like, a large veranda with chairs. So you on the second floor could just sit there at night. I love those. Oh, and if I forgot to mention, if you're feeling even more haunted, directly across from the Excelsior Hotel is the Jefferson Hotel, which is also known to be extremely haunted. I've heard about that one. Okay, yeah. So the Jefferson is also extremely haunted. So you could go and, like, you could do a couple days at both and see if you experience anything. We should do that sometime. Yeah. Texas ghost. I would love to because they say this entire town is really, really haunted. It's so funny that, like, the Excelsior and the Jefferson are right across from each other. Like, I just imagine two people at night waking up, like, just talking from across the street about their paranormal experiences. Or the ghosts just walking from one hotel to the other. (laughs) (laughs) They probably do, honestly. It's probably why it's so active. Yeah. So, yeah, let us know if you guys have been to Jefferson, Texas, if you've been to either of these hotels or any of the bed and breakfasts there. I would love to go. So maybe one day you'll see Jackie and I there, chilling with Bessie. Bopping around. (laughs) Chilling with Bessie and Steven Spielberg. I like that one. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Ew, That's Creepy. We hope you're having a great spooky-ass summer. Let us know what you guys are doing this summer. Let us know if you're watching anything scary, anything crime, if you're experiencing anything weird. If you guys are loving Stranger Things and want to dish, I love Stranger Things, so we can talk about it. But overall, and most importantly, we hope you guys are all being safe. Yes. As always, stay safe. Be aware of your surroundings, as our mom would say. My mom says that every single time we leave the house. Yeah. (laughs) 
Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.